Attention fantasy baseball fans, come to the next level and experience virtual Major League Baseball ownership. Our sports provides an advanced and authentic experience combining fantasy and virtual sport. By owning and operating an R-Sports franchise, you compete for championships in cash and leagues that mirror the MLB in every way. For sports fans who have dreamed of owning a sports franchise, log on to rsportsbaseball.com or find them on Facebook as R-Sports Baseball or on Twitter at R-Sports Baseball and make that dream a reality. You're listening to to NGSE Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSEsports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSE Sports YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSE Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSE Sports. We never stop. Huddle Up Podcast Live, Facebook.com slash Huddle Up Podcast. It is Wednesday, January 10th, 2018. Do not adjust your screens and don't adjust your radios. You'll understand that in just a minute. We're part of NGSC Sports Radio. Go to NGSCSports.com. We also stream daily at LeibSports.com, L-E-E-I-B Sports.com. Check out our sports baseball. The show is presented by them via NGSC Sports. We also subscribe to our show at Huddle Up on Apple and on Android. Also go to undisputedbelts.com. I know some people have won fantasy football championships and uh, tell them that we sent you over at undisputedbelts.com. Follow the show at Huddle Up Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. We'll get the uh, call-in number here in just a second. But over my right shoulder, now this is the first time that uh, this has happened in the near five years that I have... uh, that I have podcasted. My brother, Sean, is joining me in studio. Sean, how's it going, man? Oh, you know, it's going. You know, we're living the dream now. You know, I'm finally, right, I finally finally made it, you know? So that's what I that's what I meant when I when I told people not to adjust their radios because we sound slightly alike. A little. A little bit. A smidge. Okay. But uh, not to be uh, left out in the cold, we have, uh, we have our normal co-host on the line. Dave, how's it going, Dave? Jim and uh, Sean, we're doing good tonight. I feel like I'm uh, third wheel on a date with you two boys tonight. So, well, just hopefully, just, I, don't bring, uh, hopefully I don't bring it down too bad. Just, uh, just pretend that we're the same person because we sound alike, and then it'll just all be normal. I have to pretend you're Sean then, because I don't. I know that nothing intelligent comes out of your mouth after three years of this. <laughs> well, that's. Uh... That's fair enough. I try, can't. try 30. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is going to be fun. <laughs> I was going to say, I may have made a poor choice this week. I may have made a poor choice. Quick on the draw. <laughs> but, uh, all right, so we have plenty to talk about. Dave, I don't know, you may be falling out of here at some point uh, to take care of fatherly duties, but uh, we, we, well, I would say we love having you, but that's not always true. Um Again, you can uh, follow along with the show at Huddle Up Podcast on Twitter, Facebook.com 
slash huddle up podcast. If you want to call in and talk to us, you can do that. The number is 401-347-0613. And then use pin 29312. Again, that number 401-347-0613. And then use pin 29312. It's also on the uh, post on all of our social media. Uh, you can also leave comments on the Facebook live video. I'll try and check those uh, as the show goes on. Dave, have you recovered from your Panthers losing? Apparently not. No, it must be. Apparently, well. I hit the mute button again. So <laughs> I would uh, too. I gotta remember to take that <laughs> off. But uh, I should have kept it on for that comment. But uh, <laughs> no, I mean, we we covered the spreads. So that gives me some some uh, bank account dollars there. But uh, this is the second straight game against the Saints that, uh, based on the stats, we should have won, and we we didn't. Of course, um, had a. Crucial job in the first quarter there that should have been pretty easy seven. And uh, then the Saints score a, a massively 80-yard 80, 80 touchdown or something like that right afterwards. And then uh, uh, right at the end of the game there, Cam made a pretty decent pass to Funches in the, the front corner of the end zone there. And he, for some reason, couldn't push off with the one leg to get over two feet for the ball to catch it. So um, it was a good game. I mean, it, it's what, what you expect when you have teams that are going to play each other three times in a year and, and know each other extremely well. So – um, disappointed, yes, but uh, I mean, in all all reality, we weren't going to Minnesota and winning uh, against Minnesota again. So um, it was either going to be now or then. So might as well be then, right? Might as well. Yeah, don't don't get my hopes up. Uh, so. um, we'll talk more about the NFL in a little bit. Let's get to the college football, the the uh, playoff national championship that was on Monday night. Roll Tide. And oh god, dang. Uh, it looked, it looked for really the first time uh, in 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 a number of years and a number of times in these national championship situation that uh, Alabama and Nick Saban were, were going to get rolled. I mean, uh, nothing, nothing at the end of the first quarter. It ended up being thirteen nothing Georgia at the half, and then Nick Saban did what uh, I mean. Herb Street kind of called it, but I don't think a lot of people really suspected it making the quarterback change but at, at the half Jalen Hurts was three for eight for 21 yards <laughs> and uh and and nothing Alabama was doing was working and they brought in does anybody have any idea how to pronounce this guy's name not a clue I've been staring at it all week Tua Tagovailoa <laughs> yeah there's definitely Tua. a there's definitely a string instrument instrument Tua, in there Tua violin. Frank Viola Viola maybe it's a viola sure Something. Just stop after the first syllable and you're good. Tua. Tua. We'll just we'll call him Tua. Um Tua, three uh Georgia couldn't stop me either way. <laughs> um and it was uh, it was kind of all Alabama from there. Uh it was well it was twenty to ten at the end of the third. And of course we, we know Alabama ten points in the fourth quarter to tie, and then the uh the three points by Georgia, the six points by Alabama, and Alabama is your uh twenty eighteen college football national champion. Um man, that but that kicker for Alabama, first of all, well, the kicker for Georgia, Blankenship, that guy's the freaking man. <laughs> like what Rex specs and unreal, unreal. It's fantastic. And uh, but the kicker for Alabama, just I I I, I called it that he was going to miss the one to win it in regulation. But if if Alabama doesn't win that game, that kid is just he's never going to be able to live that down. Like I, I would, I feel like he'd almost have to like transfer schools. Well, Jim, I just have a. How does Alabama never have a quality kicker? Like it's a year after year problem. They because they score touchdowns. Yeah, I say they don't need them. 
but how do you not have a kid that can kick though? I mean, you just need a guy that can kick 40 yard field goals for them. I, how do you not, you can recruit every other position better than any college in the country. And you can't get a semi-competent kicker. Yeah. I mean, I've tried to answer that question about Notre Dame for my entire life. So I, I have no, I, I, I mean, I'm not a soccer guy, obviously. And, and I mean, I have no idea. I have no idea why kids can't kick a football in college. And I think the challenge there is it's not as, you know, measurable on, on film. It's not a position that, that you can grade based on, you know, he's not running a 40 time or, you know, you just look at what he's kicked in the past and that doesn't mean he's going to make the next one, you know, and, and we, we tend to weigh a lot of big kicks really heavily. And I mean, it's a, it's a, a fraction of an inch costs you a couple yards wide. So I don't know. I mean, props to the kid. He, he got it back in overtime and, and, um, you know, now it's history. Now nobody even rem- is going to remember that kick in, in the long run. Yeah, and I mean, another thing, too. I mean, he is a, you know, he's a senior, but uh, a lot of times you're, you're, you're talking about potentially kids that are, you know, 18, 19 years old and are put in, in big situations, and um, a lot of things can go wrong with a kick. If it's a bad hold, if it's, you know, if it's, uh, you know, obviously in a, in a dome you're not getting any wind, but, but there's there's obviously a lot of pressure situations uh, this one was one. He missed one in the first quarter, too. So, um, you know, he missed potentially two big kicks. But, um, you know, Nick Saban was bold enough to put Tua in the game. And uh, that completely changed it. I also think, though, that if you if you look over the course of this game, that in the second half, Georgia, Georgia you know, kind of mismanaged themselves in a way, too. I felt they changed their offensive game plan. I think they had to change their defensive game plan once they saw what Tua brought to the table. But it was a combination of Alabama and Saban doing what Alabama and Saban do. But Georgia, what you know, they, they were the I, the clear-cut best team on the field in the first half, and then I feel like they just froze in, in a big moment. And, 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 and that ultimately cost them as well. Well, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that, you know, you you see it with teams. I think you saw it in the NFL with the Rams. There's something to be said for having been there. And, um, you know, you, you find yourself ahead in a big game like that in, in a game that I know for all intents and purposes from what I was reading, they, they didn't get much of a chance in that game. You're ahead all of a sudden. It's a tough thing to handle, especially if you're a young kid. You're the quarterback that's been there the first time. And I'm sure the offensive coordinator was feeling it too. So, I don't know. It, they got a bright future ahead of them, but but clearly the deeper team uh, in this game was Alabama. Uh, you know, the, they bring in the the kids uh, off the sidelines and 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 they make them look silly in the second half. So we'll just have to wait and see what Georgia has next year. Yeah, a couple comments on that. I mean, I, I completely agree with all that. But uh, how how much does or I guess how how solid did uh, Fromm look pretty much the entire game? I mean, he had a weaker second half, but he was pretty solid the entire game. And then how much did Georgia's prior game to Oklahoma with the overtime and traveling back across the country factor into the, the second half where they almost looked a little gassed? Um, I don't know if it had any effect or not, but you have to you have to think as tired as they came out, it had some type of effect potentially. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, you think about it, I mean, yeah, Jake Fromm, he, he looked in the second half like he was a freshman. That's what's, I think, even crazier and uh scary if you're a fan of a team that isn't Alabama or Georgia Tua true freshman Jake Fromm true freshman like these two teams are going nowhere but Fromm finished 16 at 32 232 yards 
touchdown, two interceptions, that one interception coming right after Georgia got the ball uh, from Alabama on a turnover uh, by the Crimson Tide. Um, and well, I think part of it, too, in terms of tiredness, was that you had Alabama was moving the ball with speed and tempo, which sounds almost odd to say that, but they were moving the ball with speed and tempo. The Georgia defense couldn't couldn't catch their breath, and then their offense had to be right back out on the field multiple times, and 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 that didn't help their offense. I felt like their offense tired out a little bit too. So um, did it have to do with with the travel from from the week prior? I don't know. Um, you know because you know SEC teams don't do a lot of that cross country traveling like, like other schools do. So that may have been a factor that that I didn't even uh, think of. But you know one one what's thing. The, what's the furthest west that Alabama went this year? I mean, in all reality. Well, where was that opening game against Florida wasn't State? Wasn't it in Atlanta? I, yeah, I was gonna say I think it's southeast, so that's not one. I thought that game was at. Uh, I thought that game was in in Dallas. Well, that would probably be the farthest west, I would think. Yeah, yeah, I would, yeah, because uh, they were at. Well, they were at Texas A and M. They were at okay. Vanderbilt. Um, they were at Mississippi State. They were at Auburn. Yeah, so um, Texas w- was the furthest west that they went, and I think the furthest from uh, Georgia, I imagine, would have been South Bend. Probably. Back in week two, and then, of course, the Rose Bowl. So, yeah, because Alabama, they, you know, they went to the Sugar Bowl, so they, they didn't have a lot of travel there. One thing that I think took took some of the headlines, though, on, on Tuesday – and uh, even some Monday night, and 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 I in no way, shape, or form am I blaming this for Georgia's loss. But there were some critical calls. Uh, one being uh, Georgia being called offsides on a on a block punt that was clearly a false start. So either way, uh, the, the the punt block is not going to stand there. The ensuing Georgia drive should have been extended because of a uh, a face blatant face mask that was missed. And then I, th- I think there was one more call later in the game. And I know. A lot of Georgia fans were upset. They they were obviously unfortunate calls because they should have been made. But uh, you know, my my thought to that is, um, you know, championship teams, championship winning teams, kind of rise above those moments that you get pushed back against the wall and things don't go your way. And teams that ultimately usually don't win championships kind of crumble because of it. I, I feel like those moments did affect Georgia and and they couldn't rise above it maybe it was the inexperience like you said Sean of being in a in a game that they're not used to yeah i mean typically the person that's complaining about those calls is the one that needed them to win right. so you know that that's what i usually say and i know that because typically i'm rooting for the team that needs them <laughs> to win so you know that's 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 the way it goes so you do realize that this is recorded so when you complain about the hockey rest the next time, Jim, it's on record. Yeah, well, that's only if you choose to send me the link, Dave. Like, if you don't, then I'll just continue to bitch and moan like I normally do. He's already started in the archives. He's already there. Asterisk. I'm sure. I'm sure. That's fine. I just won't click on it. Uh, f- final <laughs> rankings, uh, AP rankings, uh, Alabama, 57 out of 61 first place votes. Uh, Georgia... Oklahoma, Clemson, Ohio State, UCF, they get four of the first place votes. UCF comes in at number six. Wisconsin, Penn State, TCU, and Auburn round out the top ten of the AP. Coaches poll, Alabama, they get all of the first place votes there. 
Georgia, Oklahoma, Clemson, Ohio State, Wisconsin 6, UCF 7 there, Penn State, TCU, and USC checks in at 10 in the coaches poll, Auburn down at 12. Um, So Auburn and USC flipped in the two polls as well as Wisconsin and UCF. Sean, our Irish finish at 11 in both. I'll take it. Yeah, after four and eight last year, I'll definitely take it. But, uh, um, Dave, any, any, I mean, not that it really matters, but, you know, for obviously people ringing the bell for UCF, and we talked a little bit about that last week. Um, are you surprised, either of you surprised they don't finish higher in those, in those polls? Do, do the last rankings of the year really mean anything? That's, that's no, my only but, comment. Okay. I mean, they do for one team. I would think, but, uh, you know, UCF hopes to that. And no, I, I, I think that they pretty much got it right. I, I don't know. Maybe they could have been in the top three or four. They're not the national champion. They didn't yeah. beat that team on the big stage. And just like I talked about Georgia, a team that hadn't been there, that inexperience may have showed in the second half. And I think beating Auburn at the tail end of a, of a regular season or beating Georgia or beating at like those teams – I mean the the bowl game was impressive, but but beating those teams on the biggest stage is a completely different ball game. Sure, uh, two, te- two textbook different uh, different amount of motivation that UCF Auburn game. Auburn is lackluster. Let's get through it. Let's get our kids to the draft. Right. UCF, this is a national title game for them. Exactly. So they they the want one thing that happened that uh, has surprised me this week is I haven't heard a lot of chatter on both online or in anything about the team that has won a national championship but wasn't even a conference champion. So I, I was expecting a whole bunch of backlash and hearing a lot about that, but I haven't heard hardly anything. I'm a little bit surprised by that. Yeah, no, that that's a great point. And, uh, you know, that that I think just proves, and I know uh, Dave, Mitch, and I were, were, were uh, on Twitter about this a little bit yesterday and the fact that, because, um, you know, we've, we've gone over time and time again our, our thoughts on the college football playoff expanding to eight or more potentially and, and – um, you know, Mitch brought up a great point that, that, you know, number one teams haven't won. Uh, I think it's what the number two seed and number four seeds have won this thing. Now you have a team that didn't win a, a, a uh, conference championship wins. And, and it's, it's something that I think will impact the fact that we see this thing. It's going to expand it after this year. I think it has to expand. Um, but yeah, a, a, an Alabama team that didn't didn't win the conference championship that a lot of people and uh, I was one of them didn't necessarily think that Alabama should have been that fourth team uh, that that even got in and but they went out they got in and they did what they had to do and they did it in impressive fashion they did it in a fashion not really normal to Alabama uh, playing from behind changing a quarterback putting a true freshman in. Um, you know, throwing the ball, really spreading the field. These are all things that aren't typical Alabama Nick Saban football, but just shows again that uh, they they were and are the best team in college football this year. Well, and, and you, team, people are just going to have to get used to it. I, I think when you go to a playoff, when, when it was votes deciding it and whether it's the press or the AP or whoever's voting, of course they're going to vote for somebody that won their conference. Like, that wasn't really an issue. You know, maybe – Somebody has a real impressive bowl win and they get some votes, but typically your winner is going to be a champion. Now it's on the field. So, I mean, all you got to do is get there. You got to have a good enough sure. track record to be there, and, and it really doesn't matter. So people are going to have to get used to it, especially with what I think is a 
uh, a, a must-do and, and uh, very on-the-horizon expansion uh, coming to that playoff. I definitely agree. And uh, wrapping the bow on college football this year, the, the only question I have yet left uh, for you, uh, you two brothers here, uh, on the horizon for 2018, any, any uh, teams that you're looking forward to or anything along those lines? I mean, for me, I've already looked at the schedule the first couple of weeks, and we have Florida Atlantic going to Oklahoma the first week. Um, Florida Atlantic has uh, pretty much returning everyone against an Oklahoma team that's replacing a lot of people, including Baker Mayfield. So um, that should be an interesting matchup. And should Florida Atlantic beat Oklahoma, they have a very runnable table, um, which would make things really interesting if they were the UCF uh, of next year with a win at Oklahoma under their belt. Right. So I'm kind of hoping it happens to see what happens. Sure, because, you know, Oklahoma – for, for by all accounts should be you know in the top 10 top five potentially when when the year starts and um yeah I mean the, the thing that was hammered home and reflected in those playoff rankings was UCF didn't have a, a signature win and that is, is exactly what that would be um I, I don't I don't necessarily have a have a team or or a situation that I'm I'm watching obviously besides the the normal one um but all I know is come you know <laughs> eight o'clock at night on September 1st. Well, actually that'll probably end up being a night game. So sometime around midnight on uh, September 1st, there's going to be one person in my household that season just got a whole hell of a lot harder because my Irish play my wife's Michigan Wolverines. So just getting that one out of the way early. And I'm, I'm not watching that at your house. Uh, I'm not watching that one at my house. <laughs> like because uh, So I'm either going to be at your house, I'm either going to be at Dave's house, or I'm going to be at a bar because alcohol is probably going to be the best option for me at that point that night. Can't but uh, but uh, somebody's, somebody's season's going to end or, or start poorly. Um, this is, Even if the Irish win, you don't win that game, Jim. Yeah, no. No, I certainly don't. I certainly don't. Uh, one stat, though, and this this is just mind mind boggling, and this is, um, I think, just further proof. And and if you guys disagree with the point that Nick Saban um, is the best college coach ever, or at least in our lifetime, um, feel free. But since the year two thousand, every single player that Nick Saban has signed and stayed three years at either LSU or Alabama has won at least. One national championship. Everyone. Every single player. Since when? Since 2000. That so when played you, at least three years. That, that stayed at least three years at LSU or Alabama. And I'd bet a good chunk of the ones that played less than three years had a national title too. Yeah. <laughs> like, that, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's one of the most ridiculous stats what? I, I've ever read. But yeah, six national championships, 03, 09, 2011, 2012, 2015, 2017. He's uh, 218-62-1 uh, coaching in college football. But he's 15-17 and 17 in the NFL. So they're, they're officially better than that Pete Carroll-USC early 90s, or is it still up for debate? No, I think this, I think this run at Alabama is better. You think this is way better? I think this is way better. All right. Because, I mean, he's won. So here, here's the real question. Is Saban that genius of a coach, or is he that good of a recruiter? Because I think they go hand in hand. And I, yes. I, it's kind of like the whole Brady-Belichick argument. Sure. And I, th- and I agree that the argument, the answer is yes. 
but is he a better coach or is he a better recruiter? I mean, granted, now all he has to do is show up in the kid's living room for five minutes and the kid's coming to Alabama. I mean, it's Well, I say it gets a lot easier. Recruiting gets easier almost every year for Nick. Yeah, Saban. and I, but I think coaching can get can get harder. I, I I think that as it goes, you know, obviously the coaching part had to happen, like to to get us here. Uh, and and obviously once the ball starts rolling, there's you know that element of like you got to keep that ball rolling on track. So I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna lean towards the coach. I, like, like at this point, like you said, I mean the recruiting is gonna happen. You're gonna get the sure. guys you want. Some of them are gonna try to go somewhere else where they can be the star, but the ones that want to win are going to come there. And But but he still has to coach it, and you still got to win it. And right. He's found himself in some tough games and pulled, pulled because, out Because, I mean, I mean th- this national title game included, because if you think about it, you know, if you have a year at Alabama where you go, you know, 9-3, and 8-4, and four, you know, people are going to be going, uh, you know, is, is, is Saban losing? Is getting too old? Is he disinterested? Uh, if you have back-to-back years where you struggle – how, how short does that leash get d- despite having these five championships at Alabama? Like that, that's and, and because we've seen how many times teams have changed coaches and I get they haven't won this many national titles, but I think that, yeah, the recruiting gets easier. So I think maybe initially he was a better recruiter, maybe, but, but now he's a, maybe a better coach. Like I think it may be the roles have kind of swapped because, uh, well, Lane Kiffin, who had obviously coached under Nick Saban, was on the Dan Patrick show on uh, Tuesday, and he said that uh, you know they were they were you know they had they were recruiting from to Alabama, and then he was you know they 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 just kind of looked at something and said you know we have this Tua guy over here, let's really push to get him. So they weren't necessarily afraid of of losing one, which I mean, <laughs> either way, you're looking at two two of the going to be the, the the top quarterbacks in college football next year but even even seeing something like that it's like yeah maybe there's something in him that you know we don't necessarily need to lock in on it and we can we can go to Jake Fra or uh, go to Tua so um yeah I think ultimately Dave the answer to the question is yes but um I would almost say maybe now it's 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 coaching because you have you have to almost remain perfect yeah, Jim, I kind of agree with that, but uh, I know I said last question before, but I got one more that popped into my head. So um, after I'm done patting myself on the back for calling that Saban's not going to start Hurts as a quarterback next year, which I think is fact now um, <laughs> in last week's show, um, what does Jalen Hurts do next year? Does he transfer? Does he declare? What does Hurts do? Um, after going three for eight for 27 yards, I think declaring would be a bit silly. No, I think I think I think. Transferring is probably his best option. Um, I know the quarterback that that Fromm took over for uh, after Week One because of injury is, and I the, his name slips me, but he's transferring from Georgia as well because I think you you obviously have a situation where it's 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 a you know five star kid who just probably launched himself into the Heisman running in one half of football, so. Um, I, I don't think I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to get back into that starting lineup. If I were him, I'd probably look at the option of transferring because, yeah, you're going to u- lose a year of eligibility, but you're going to go to a school, you're going to learn how that team operates, and come in, you come in for your you know your last year, and you have the, uh, you know the you have the opportunity to take over and kind of rewrite your history because uh, you touched on it last week, Dave. Is is Jalen Hurts? 
wasn't great going into this game, nope. and then you put up you put up that performance. You get pulled at halftime, and your team looks like a completely different team and a, and a championship team. I, I don't see, I don't see the point of going back there. Jacob Eason was the quarterback that you yes. remember, probably going to be a Washington Husky. It seems to be the report at this point. Yeah, the report that Dan Patrick had was that uh, he had contacted Notre Dame. Notre Dame didn't want him because, and and I know uh, Pauly, one of uh, I think it's the producer on Dan Patrick's show. So you know, why wouldn't you want a five star player? But they already have a five star freshman coming in on top of Ian Book and and some of the other quarterbacks there at Notre Dame. So it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense to muddy the water uh, at South Bend. But yeah, um, heading to it looks like headed to Washington, and it's, it's the smarter play for these guys. You know, they go there. Obviously, graduate transfer, he can go and play right away. But Hurts, he has to go, in my opinion, has to. Has to. He's going to play. I'd say probably go smaller school. Somewhere where, you, where you're not going to play a lot of big talent because you need to put up some numbers if you're going to get drafted. Go be the star somewhere and uh, and hope somebody sees some some spark in you that they saw at the start of the year. Definitely, and you got to. I mean, you got to really feel for this kid. You, you think of the big picture what uh, what Hurts has done. I mean, he's led his team to two national championship games, and you're going to transfer like that's just incredible. I mean, some any yeah. school. I don't want to say any school, but virtually any school would take him just on his experience alone. Um, but I mean, I don't know that this has happened anything along these lines in college football that I can remember. The kids go on this, this, this good of a run. I mean, two national championship games, how many kids play a third year in college being in two national championship right. games? Uh, maybe you can go to UCF. Maybe you'll help them. I don't know, but, uh, that's my, it'd be pretty bizarre to play for two national champions that won it in the same year. <laughs> That's uh, that's my last bit of trolling to UCF again. Uh, if you want to call in and get your thoughts on college football uh, or the NFL, we're going to transfer over to the NFL here. 401-347-0613. You can use PIN then 29312, that number 401-347-0613. Use PIN 29312. All right, let's guys, let's look at the wild card weekend. It started with the Titans coming back from twenty-one to three down to beat, Music City Miracle to beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead, twenty-two to twenty-one. Uh, the Falcons beat up the Rams pretty good in in Hollywood, twenty-six to thirteen. The Jaguars won the snoozer of the weekend, ten-three over the Bills, and the Saints beat like we said beat Dave's Panthers, uh, thirty-one to twenty-six. Um, looking at this Titans Chiefs thing, it just it it just boggles my mind, and, and Sean, you as an Eagles fan, it probably doesn't boggle your mind too much. I mean, that's seen it. <laughs> you've seen it. You've lived it. You've cursed it. You probably laughed at this past weekend, not knowing that it wasn't your team he was coaching. Um, and and I've seen the arguments. I've seen what people have said. Like, you know, uh, look at you know, look at where the Chiefs were before Andy Reid, and you know, they're they're always in the conversation for that division title, and they're always in the playoffs. And right. But look at what they've done in the playoffs. The last team or the last quarterback to win a home playoff game for the Kansas City Chiefs was Joe Montana. Yikes. Like, at some point, something's not working. Um, You've already lost your offensive coordinator and play caller. Matt Nagy is now the coach of the Chicago Bears. Who, by Uh, the way, is as much grief as Andy Reid's taking – he is the play caller. He right. was he was the one choosing not to give the ball to Kareem Hunt right. in the second half. Arguably the you know definitely the best player and athlete on your team, one of the best running backs in the NFL this year, and and he touched the ball what seven times in the second half. 
Unreal. when you're winning 21 to 3 18 points uh yeah that one that one's got to be That's three touchdowns if anybody's keeping track and, and i and i think uh, i think they're losing one uh one of their defensive coaches as well so the uh childress is retiring yeah. so the, the question has to be asked andy like why keep andy reed in kansas city i it feels like if there's ever a good time to get out of this situation now would be it no I don't know. Or is it I mean, overreaction? It, it, I think you give it some time. I, I don't know. I, I you don't want to you don't want to jump to anything, and you got to make sure if you're going to get rid of a coach like Andy Reid. And the big thing that you know everybody's quick to jump on these coaches, and, and of course the turnover rate's much higher than it's ever been. But you know if you don't have someone in mind that you think is better and that you can sell to your fan base is better, even if you do worse the next year. You know, then then I don't think you can do that uh, with with a guy that's gotten you at least there, uh, in you know, in a city that that just enjoys being competitive. How much of this is on? Uh, I, I know we're talking Andy Reid, but how much of this is on Alex Smith and his ineptitude as quarterback? Overall speaking, he wasn't terrible in the game, but um, he, he's not a top ten quarterback in the league. Um, no. Some would argue he's not a top twenty quarterback in the league. I mean, how much of that does, plays into this too? If you give Andy Reid a a top tier quarterback, how much of a difference does it make? And again, it comes on the play calling and all that too. But uh, Andy Reid's the head coach, so he gets a lot of the blame. But how much of this isn't all that Andy Reid's fault? Yeah, I, I I saw that point. That point was brought up uh, to me on Facebook, and in my my re, my answer to that was. You know, you know what you have with Alex Smith. He's never going to be uh, Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, but he's also probably never really going to be the guy that's going to go out and, and and lose the game and ruin the game for you. Um, he he's kind of almost this just like average Joe quarterback. Unfortunately, when when you have a, a, a coach and a coaching system that you know the the, the way Andy Reid manages clock and manages a game. Um, he did have his timeouts at the end of that game. I'll point that out. Okay, that he did, which is something he normally doesn't. But um, you know, it, it's it's maybe not the best situation in the entire world. Um, you know, and 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 yeah, I mean, Smith didn't play terribly, but again, he's he's never going to go out and win that game. So I, I think there's there's just a, a lot of a, a a lot of things that 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 could be corrected, and and maybe maybe it is an overreaction to say. Let's move on from Andy Reid. Um, but I think the Chiefs have to look at themselves because, you know, you're, you're in a division that, you know, last year looked like, you know, the Raiders were solid, but now you get Gruden back in the mix. Uh, the, the Chargers were better this year. The Broncos, by by all accounts, should bounce back. Well, well it's hard to keep falling. <laughs> this is true. There's only so many more spaces and And... You know, I, I think they're they're only a couple of pieces away from from at least being you know competitive in the at least in the division again. So as the Chiefs, you almost have to look at yourself and go, um, you know, where where do we go from here? And this uh, this is going to be an off season of change for the Kansas City Chiefs. Undoubtedly, an off season of change. But you know that whole like, is it Smith? Is it that thing? I, I think it's going to pan out, and that's why you're kind of waiting on Reed because if the team ultimately decides that this is the end for Alex Smith in Kansas City, and they decide to shop him for picks or, or who, whatever they do, 
you know, you, you have the, the rookie behind him that Andy Reid chose to take over his offense, and now your offensive coordinator's gone. I, you know, at that point, do you want someone else taking over Mahomes uh, and, and that offense, or do you want him to settle into an offense he's been studying for the year? Um, I, I don't know that I'd want him to start over. I'd want to see what he could do in, in, in that offense. That's very good points there. I think it's, uh, again, I, I think you got to see the dust settle and see what happens and go from there. All right, looking at the uh, Saturday night game, Falcons defeating the Rams. This, to me, um, looked like a tale of two very different teams. A Falcons team that uh, wanted to refocus in the playoffs, get past what happened to them in the Super Bowl last year, and a Rams team that super talented, un, you know, great young talent, but wasn't quite ready to have the eyes of the city and the NFL on them quite yet. Um, I thought they were going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, that uh, that prediction hurt, it hurts today. That one hurts me today. Um, so obviously, uh, my 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 Super Bowl winner already gone. But um, you know, the Falcons the I, the Falcons looked a lot better than I wanted to give them credit for. Yeah, and and I think that um, that you know what James was saying that that's what I saw right away was a team that was not really prepared for the stage they were on. Uh, and, and, and it wasn't that the, I didn't think the Falcons out of the gate looked like they were, I, I mean, it wasn't the Matt Ryan throwing for 400 yards and, and flashing past you. Uh, but the Falcons showed their experience. They were, they were a team that, you know, the game was a little ugly early. It, it wasn't super high scoring, but, but they let the game dictate what they were going to do. And they decided, you know what, if you're going to give us six yards on a run, we're just going to keep pounding it. And then when you stop that, we're going to, we're going to throw it over your head. Um, and, um, and then that little exclamation point with one of the prettiest passes, at least of the weekend that I saw, to Julio Jones. Uh, who else to to cap that one off? But I, I just thought it was two different classes of team uh, that night. The prettiest passes that might have been one of the ugliest pretty passes. Oh come on! It, it, it was, was a gorgeous play. <laughs> gorgeous play. Um. Yeah. Then and uh, Dave, any thoughts on uh, what you saw out of Atlanta? and or the Rams? I think this is uh, pretty much what we expected. I mean, it's kind of like um, it, the, the Rams are an extremely young team, and this is a lot of their first playoff experience. Uh, we kind of touched on this last week a little, Jim. Um, but that first playoff game, how are you going to react? I mean, you don't know what to expect. A lot of these guys have been in, in decent bowl games and, and all that. But the, the playoff game in the NFL just takes it to another level. So it's kind of like you got to get hit that first time in the playoffs um, with the game experience and see what happens, and then that kind of dictates it going forward. I mean, it's very rare that you have quarterbacks and, and a whole bunch of young players like this team win and move on um, with this many young pieces. Uh, so, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's going to be a great overall experience for St. Louis in the coming years, or not St. Louis, uh, for the Rams in the coming years. See what I did there? Yeah, um, yeah. But – uh, I, I think it's one that Atlanta is in this playoff mode, and the question is how long can they keep the, the playoff mode going? Hopefully one more um, week going we'll on get there. five weeks in it, but um, how much longer do they keep the playoff mode going before they tire out? Yeah, I, I think I, I definitely got – I was definitely a little exuberant about uh, about the Rams. I mean, I have this fantasy football championship belt because of Todd Gurley, so um, – you know, I think I I, I, I got a little overexcited, but uh, um, Sunday's game, Jaguars Bills. Um, oh, not, Jim, Jim, who did you beat? Who did you beat in the finals? I don't, I don't remember. Uh, wait, 
There he is. I'm pointing at him. That guy. That guy sitting to my right. All right. Like, I was trying to figure out why after so much. Like, it's not like the start of a new season. It's not like, why is he asking me to be on the show today? Now it now makes I, sense. Now it makes sense. It makes sense now. now. Of course, the belt's in the shot. Why wouldn't it be? Thanks. Uh, no problem. No Pleasure problem. to be here. <laughs> Um, Nothing better to do. The uh, the the stinker of I'll the week. I'll take that uh, ten dollars for setting you up on that then, Jim. Thanks. All right, no problem. Uh, Bills Jaguars. I, I really I don't have a whole lot to to say about this one. It, I mean, I'm happy the Jaguars won, um, but wow, what a just an awful game. Good lord, ugly. Well, if you like offense, this wasn't the game for you. <laughs> no. This was. I, if you like defense, I still don't think this was the game for you. I don't know. I mean, it was pretty. I, I it was at least competitive. Like I, I didn't hate watching it. No, it, it was just not uh, not what you typically expect to see and get out of NFL playoff football. Not since like the fifties. <laughs> uh, I mean, if the Jaguars had anybody but Blake Bortles, my God, with that defense, like that. Blake Bortles does not deserve that defense, right? Like, am I wrong I, in saying that? I, but he needs it. Well, he needs it, but he doesn't deserve it. Like, there's a lot other quarterbacks out there that are more deserving of that defense than Blake Bortles. I guess. I mean, <laughs> who deserves anything? These Tony days? Romo. Ex- exactly. Well, Tony Romo deserves a, deserved a better offensive line, but Tony Romo had his best playoff performance of his career. Yeah, yeah, th- th- this weekend it was really he, good. He made that game sound good. And he's, he's healthy from what I hear. He's yeah, healthy. healthy. He's, he is healthy. Um, uh, then we had the uh, the Saints-Panthers. We touched on that one. Um, so unless uh, either of you have anything else to add on, on those, we can move to uh, this weekend's games. Yeah, it's fine by me. Let's look at them. Right. The only thing I want to add, Jim, just a uh, just a comment for both of you. I know you guys both watched the game, but uh, I haven't heard a whole lot on uh, how healthy Cam Newton is. I I didn't think he looked all that healthy in the game. Did, do either of you two have any type of uh, opinions on that? I mean, he was I know, obviously had the off season shoulder issue, but uh, he he looked awful uh, sluggish and slow. And uh, aside from the fact that he probably had a clear concussion when he got popped there, and oh the NFL allowed him to keep no playing, doubt. but. If Russell um, Wilson's, I, if that Russell Wilson thing's being investigated from the regular season, this has to be looked. They, at. they are. I, I have read they're looking into to the situation uh, with Cam Newton. Yeah, um, and Christopher Nowitzki, who was a former professional wrestler, Harvard graduate, um, that had to retire from wrestling because of concussions. He now works for like this, uh, this, this like concussion coalition. I don't know what the actual name of it is, um, but immediately on Sunday he was like. That's a concussion. The fact that he's back in that game is, is and I, I've said it time and time again. Everybody's, you know, most people have, have recognized it that, um, you know, if it's a, you know, fourth or fifth wide receiver or, you know, third tight end that, that is showing those symptoms, they're out right away. When you're talking about the, one of the star quarterbacks uh, in, in the league, then they, uh, they a lot of times do not uh, get pulled quite as quickly and uh, that protocol changes quite a bit. Um, yeah, besides, besides that, Dave, I, I haven't seen anything or really heard anything about Cam. Um, but he, he, I will say, I, and I will agree with you there that he did not look like typical Cam, uh, in, in that game. So I, I don't know if it was, uh, the Saints getting to him or, or, or what, but he did, he, I, I will agree he did not look like him, his normal self. It's like he forgot his can of Red Bull before the game or something. <laughs> 
He was uh, afraid that little kid from the uh, the NFL Play 60 commercial was going to take his job, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Um, all right, let's look at this weekend's games. We will start uh, Saturday, 435. This one on NBC. It is the Falcons going to Philadelphia. Uh, the Falcons, a three-point road favorite. Number six seed over the number one seed. I, I believe this is the first time. It is ever yeah. that a, uh, a a team with home field advantage in the conference uh, is a home uh, underdog. The over under, I believe, Dave. You can correct me if I'm wrong on this. Forty one and a half is, is the number that I have. I think Dave muted himself. He muted himself. He's muted. It's, it's much better for us, though. This works great for me. Yeah, it's great for us. Uh, you said correct you if you were wrong, so I, I can't say the other alternative, so I, it was quiet. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you got to verbalize better. I don't know. Apparently, I just need to be right more. I don't know. Uh, all right, so Atlanta at Philadelphia uh, on, of course, uh, you know, as the injuries listed here, the, the biggest one is the, the jersey which you are wearing. Uh, I am. I have the Falcons winning this one. Um, hopeful optimism. Really went out on a limb there. Really, yeah, is really <laughs> took a leap. I know, right. Um, part of it's uh, you know just hopeful faith. Um, you know for for all of my my hopes, but um, I, I I like Atlanta's pass rush to affect Nick Foles, and that's the biggest thing. Um, can Philadelphia win this game? Absolutely. Uh, have Worst quarterbacks won in the playoffs and won Super Bowls than Nick Foles? Absolutely. Last week. <laughs> I'm just kidding. None of them are worse than Nick Foles. Um, but I, I, I think that I, I like Atlanta's pass rush to to affect Nick Foles and, and disrupt that offense enough uh, to to give the Falcons the edge. That, that that's, that's why I'm leaning towards Atlanta for this one. Dave, you can go next. <laughs> So I think this game is going to rival the Bills-Jaguars game from last weekend. Um, I think it's going to be extremely boring as Philadelphia knows that they have a chance to win. They have to keep this extremely low scoring. They're not going to win a shootout with Nick Foles as their quarterback. And they have the defense that that could potentially keep this game close. Um, again, the game has to stay low scoring for Philadelphia to have a chance. Um, I just think there, there's too much talent and experience on the Atlanta side to um, not win this game. However, I think three is the right number for the game, and I think the total goes under. Um, but I think this is a, uh, I think this is a, a, a lot of run type of games or a lot of run type plays. And if Atlanta tries to throw the ball a lot, it's supposed to be windy. I think that's going to um, actually go against them. So they got the two-headed guy in the backfield. Uh, so uh, I, I'm taking Atlanta, but I think it's going to be a late field goal or something uh, along those lines. I think it's going to be a very close game, though. Ugly game, but close game. Well, I'm I'm hoping you're both wrong. Uh, and and I, I was saying something earlier today uh, when I was talking to Jim before the uh, before the uh, the podcast started that it seems weird to me that I'm feeling more confident as the week goes on, uh, but unfortunately, it's for the wrong reasons. It's not because I believe in Nick Foles all of a sudden. It's not because I saw some report from practice about the players. Uh, I, I don't know. I just, I think some of it's just the the fact that everyone is looking against them that, that they think they're not going to show up that Atlanta is the more experienced team uh the the underdog at home 
all of that, you know, rolled into the fact that, you know, Vegas did give that uh, that, that lower spread. I mean, I, when I saw the matchup, I thought maybe it would be an even bigger spread. So, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel better than I thought I would right now. Um, and like you said, I, I think low scoring is the, the key here. A lot of things have to happen. You can't let Nick Foles, you know, kind of like with Alex Smith, you said he's not the guy that would lose it for you. I think Nick Foles can be that guy. <laughs> Uh, so you don't want him to do too much. And if he's throwing the ball as many times as he did near the end of that year, it's going to be rough. you got to see 10-plus carries out of each of your three-headed monster, I think, and um, and try to just keep Matt Ryan off the field because that is an offense that I've seen and it showed against the Patriots last year. If they lose their rhythm, they they can be pretty abysmal at times, and, and that's what you need to see uh, if you're going to have any hope of winning on Saturday. I'm going to take the birds. Naturally. Well, there's two birds. You've got to be having more specific, but yeah, I'll take the Eagles. I think it's going to be close. I'm going to take the Eagles uh, in a, in, a, in like a four point, like less than touchdown win. I don't want it to be on a last second field goal, so is I'm it, taking four. As an Eagles fan, Sean, is it a situation where um, you know you know what this team is with Carson Wentz? Uh, you know, if they string even you know one win in the, in the, in the playoffs, but you know maybe you know win the NFC. Uh, go to the Super Bowl and lose. Is it a situation where, like, it would suck to lose, you know, if you get to the Super Bowl and lose, but you understand that you get Carson Wentz back next year and he's healthy and, you know, I'm sure the, the pieces are good to continue to do, develop. Is it a situation where where that the, maybe that typical feeling of, uh, you know, the Philadelphia heartbreak isn't as great because it's, well, I, I think if the heartbreak ultimately happens, it then then it already happened. I, I, I think if the heartbreak is the end, if the end is no title, if the end is a you know a bone crushing playoff loss, uh, I, I think the heartbreak started against the Rams in the regular sure. season. You know, so it's just been a more slow, drawn out, painful one to watch. Uh, you know, as opposed to the quick like band aid off variety we usually get. Um, I, I don't. I think at this point, and, and it's the one benefit Nick Foles has, is is he really only has a three-game window here to really, if he wants any semblance of lore or, you know, to be remembered as an eagle, this this is the only time to do it because you're going to get three games, and even if you win the Super Bowl, you're not going to be the quarterback of the team next year. So, you know, go get them. You know, just don't lose and, um, you know, hope some magic happens for you. All you got to do is win three and, and – He's just got to keep a clear head about it and do his thing. Uh, this would be the, the textbook Eagles that they would get, win the two games and then get blown out in the Super Bowl <laughs> after they get all your hopes back. You got it, yeah. You, we need the hope first before it crushes. That's the other reason I'm taking Philly this week. There you go. Um, all right, let's go to Saturday night, 8-15 on CBS. New England hosting Tennessee. New England a 13-and-a-half-point home favorite. The over-under on this one, 47-and-a-half. Uh, Forty-five of them are New England's. God, um, thirteen and a half in a divisional playoff game uh, is astounding. I, I don't ever like to say that a team has no chance because we've we've been proven time and time again that uh, you know any given Sunday or, or what have you, whatever uh, cliche you want to throw out there, but this feels almost as as close to a. a, a easy simple lock on new england that i've ever seen like it's i bad. i it's I, I there's there's almost there's almost no way that the tennessee i heard, I the, think, I I heard the, the titans are already just running the ball to get the clock to wind that's what i heard <laughs> like i i just it's like I, it's not even that new england wins 
it's it's almost a lock that they win big. Like every time New England has a spread that feels like it should be too much, where even it's a bad team, you're like, no way, it's the NFL. No one's going to win by that many points. They cover it substantially. Yeah. So why would this be any different? You know, people are still betting New England at 13. And I mean, a half. like for the record, I'm picking New England. If I if it wasn't obvious yet, I New England is my pick for this game. Do you have them covering? Yeah. 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 Why not? Sure. Sure. Why not? And Dude, well, Dave's a Vegas guy. I wonder what he, I wonder if he has them covering. Yeah. What do you got? Dave what do you got on not, that? Dave has the Titans covering. Um, again, I feel like this this spread should be higher than it is. So generally, when that happens, Vegas knows something that we don't for some reason. Uh, again, I have no clue why this isn't uh, higher than it is. In all honesty, um, number one reason being that Tennessee cannot cover the tight end. Um, I mean, look at the look at the Kansas City game. Kelsey feasted until he got knocked out, literally. Yeah. You literally, um, yeah. and that's but a very he, different game if he doesn't. That, that, that's true correct. as well. The, the game keeps going the way it was, and they lose by thirty. Um, so why, if if Tennessee can't cover the tight end, and everyone knows that they can't cover the tight end, why do you line this game thirteen or? Well, I think it opened at fourteen, and it's down to thirteen and a half or something along those lines. But why do you why do you line this at fourteen when instead of Kelsey, now they got to match up against Gronk? <laughs> I mean, it just makes no sense to me. I think New England wins by, like, 10, and uh, Tennessee scores a late touchdown to go in the back door, but it, it still makes no sense at all, um, especially with Tennessee's running back that's out, too. That's another another uh, piece of their puzzle that's out. Um, the one thing that Tennessee does do, they have the corners that are good enough that, that should shut down the wide receivers, but they might hold the wide receivers to 100 yards, but Gronk's going to go for 200 then. So, I mean, it's kind of a moot point. Right. But uh, I, I, this is one that the line just confuses me. That it makes no sense. Um, and if I'm playing, if I'm forced to put anything on this game, it's going to be on Tennessee on the, on uh, with, with the points. But it's uh, probably a game that I will watch uh, if I make it through the whole game uh, with nothing on because it just makes no sense. Yeah, I mean, there's no other uh, like football or anything else on uh, Sean. Your pick here. Well, I, and you know, you talked about Demarco Murray not playing. I think the second that. Derrick Henry eclipsed 100 yards. There was no chance DeMarco Murray was playing this week. Uh, sure. And I think it helps them. Uh, and as far as if you're if you're somebody out there betting the Tennessee Titans, uh, the hope that you have is, is I mean, Derrick Henry and, and the fact that Mariota's going to probably have some running plays drawn up for him too, uh, they're, they're going to limit New England's possessions as much as they can. I mean, obviously right. that's the game plan with everybody. It doesn't usually work, but uh, – I could see that that game, you know, that game script kind of happening where you limit it, but uh, I, I don't think it matters. I think Mariota's going to make a mistake or two. I, I, you know, you might see a defensive or special team score. I, I, I'm going to take New England, and it's going to be by about three scores. I, I think it's they're going to cover. Yeah, this this one, yeah, like I said, uh, pretty pretty easy there. Um, Sunday, one hundred five, CBS, Jacksonville traveling to Pittsburgh. Antonio Brown probable for this game. He practiced in full this week, so uh, no risk of him not playing. Uh, will what his effectiveness will be? Well, I'm sure we'll discuss. Uh, Pittsburgh is seven point uh, home favorite. Uh, Forty one is the uh, over under number. Um, I I think back to week five, and I, now I do think those these two teams are a little bit different than than they were in week five. But I, I look back to what Jacksonville did to Pittsburgh, and that was with a healthy Antonio Brown. Um, in week five and just completely dominating that offense, making Big Ben look like a guy that probably should have retired last year. Um, and and 
it's it's it it, it just it, it says to me and it just yells out at me that um that that, that Jacksonville absolutely has a chance. Um, do I think, uh, you know, Brown will be used in typical fashion? No, I think he, he may be used more as kind of a decoy, uh, in that offense, which, um, may help Pittsburgh may not. Uh, we'll get to the caller here in just a second. Um, I'm taking Jacksonville in this one. I think this one, it's going to be close. Um, I think the weather is probably going to help Pittsburgh. I know like at least here, I'm, I'm sure, you know, out in Pittsburgh, it's going to be a similar situation because of a front coming through. But the temperature is supposed to drop pretty substantially this weekend and get get fairly cold again. So that may help Pittsburgh at least in a little bit. But that uh, I have I have Jacksonville uh, winning uh, in this one. Dave, do we want to take the call or do you want to give your thoughts on this game? I want to get this in just in case it's Uncle Mitch on the phone here. Um, you didn't give me any any insight on who's calling, so I'm taking. I, I got to get this in before it's Uncle Mitch. But um, all I want to say is Vegas, um, week five, this game was lined at seven. Pittsburgh favored by seven. Jacksonville goes in, wins the game. What's Vegas do? They come back and they set the line at seven. That tells me Vegas has no input with the prior game into these lines. Um, you pull up the stats from the prior game, your, your favorite NFL quarterback, Blake Bortles, he was eight of 14. Eight of 14 <laughs> for 95 yards against the Steelers. Jalen Hurts numbers. <laughs> Impressive. They're pretty good for Jalen Hurts, but uh, <laughs> 8 of 14 for an NFL quarterback. Um, I think this is literally the game that who can give it away quicker. Mike Tomlin, who's a terrible NFL coach, or Blake Bortles. And I'm, uh, I'm, taking, uh, I'm taking the Pittsburgh Steelers this week, and I think the Pittsburgh Steelers cover. I think this is a revenge situation. I think they want to go back and they want to play the Patriots again. Um, and I think that the uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers win this by ten to fourteen uh, at minimum. I think uh, I think the Steelers have the the rest that's going to get them a little bit healthier, and I think they have the revenge of losing to the team previously uh, earlier on in the year. And I don't think the Tomlin factor is going to be too big of an issue from the sheer fact that this is a game that the the players should be able to motivate themselves to be ready for. All right, Sean. Uh, let's get your thoughts here, and then we'll get to the caller. All right, uh, I'll be pretty quick. Uh, I'm I'm uh, in a, in a game here where it's going to be low scoring. I think it's going to be kind of that. It's not going to be as bad as uh, Bills Jaguars, and I think the Jaguars will score. Uh, I, I think you know the loss of Shazier. As much as you know, it was obvious it was going to be a loss. I think the the Steelers defense is vulnerable, and the cold weather I don't think is as big of a factor as you think, unless you're just thinking they're from Florida. Uh, but um, you know. They have a running game. Uh, they're not afraid to use it. Uh, I, I think they're going to be uh, building a scheme for for Blake, hopefully, with some more possession-type stuff to get those completions going early. Uh, and, and you're right. I, I mean, decoy or not, uh, Antonio Brown is going to have Ramsey all over him. And, um, and I think, you know, that whole defense wins championships. This is two good defenses. Well, to me, it's one really good defense and then a great one. And I'm going to take the great one. I think Jacksonville – um, um, beats them, and I'm only saying that because I, I called that win two weeks ago. So I'm going to stick with it uh, close, you know, three seven points. All right, let's go to the caller. I do, I, I believe it's uh, our old, our old friend Uncle Mitch. Uh, but let us know who you are, where you're calling from. It's me, Uncle Mitch, uh, Dave. A prop to you on calling who it is. Are you guys serious? You're taking the Jaguars, Blake 
effing Bortles to go into I I've never been so insulted. Look, let me let me put it like this. I'm like I'm like you, Jim, for the Patriots. I hate the Patriots. I want the Titans to win so bad, but I've just come to the to accept all right, yeah, the Titans are gonna go in there and lose. And they're probably gonna lose by about twenty points. I will I'll cut off my left arm if Blake Bortles goes into Heinz Field this week and beats the Steelers, and I'll autograph it, and I'll say, Jim, I was wrong, and I'll, I'll mail it. <laughs> that, is, that is outrageous. Our, the most outrageous thing I've ever heard. <laughs> uh, man, Mitch, I, lo- I love this call. I love this call. Um, you know, I – I, 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 you know, I hate the Steelers. So again, part of me is there's probably part of me that, you know, in this uh, prediction is similar to my Falcons prediction with my brother sitting right here is the fact that the and I've said it throughout the course of the year, seeing the Eagles run through what they did and and, and the you know the Steelers being as good as they were. My 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 biggest fear in the entire world uh, is a all Pennsylvania. Super Bowl because I have no idea how to exist in the world. The only the only thing I can root for in an all Pennsylvania Super Bowl uh, is that scene um, from you know the Dark Knight when the when the field falls out. That's that's my only option there. I don't I don't have I don't I can't root for Pittsburgh to beat Philly because then they have seven and good God it just they they're going to get further away from the Cowboys. I, I can't obviously. Would you, would you root for nuclear war that week. Because nuclear war could possibly cancel the All Pennsylvania. Yeah, I mean, possibly, or, or you know, <laughs> something, something that's going to prevent that that Super Bowl from happening. But um, you know, it, it's like, dude, again, dude, I, I don't, I don't necessarily think that the Jacksonville is going to be able to, to to have a repeat of uh, Week Five. I, I think both teams are different. Right. That situation was obviously, you know, a lot different, and, and, and Ben had one of his uh, worst games uh, of his career, but. Um, if, if we've learned one thing over, over, you know, the course of time, it's, it's how much that, that defense wins championships. And, and, and th- this defense is as good as we've seen in, in a playoff, um, in, in, in a long time. And, 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 and that's why I think they can do enough to, to win the game. And I want to be very clear on my prediction. And in no way, shape, or form do I think Blake Bortles is going to win that game. <laughs> uh, he's going to be on the winning side. Uh, but, I mean, your real battle is going to be at the defensive front for Jacksonville. I, I think that, you know, it, it's going to come down to uh, the offensive line play for the Steelers. You know, can they get pressure on Ben? Um, and, and, you know, the hard part to predict for me is, and, and one of the reasons, I mean, I mean, I could be way wrong on this pick, obviously, but I think this, it's going to be a very different Steelers offense without that go-to, you know, Antonio Brown knowing where he is, what speed he's going to be. I think they're going to run the ball a lot with Le'Veon Bell. Uh, but, you know, if you can make that defensive line work and, and kind of plug him up at least for him, uh, you know, you got a shot. And, you know, force a couple of turnovers, you're, you're right there. Let me can I say one thing. Yeah, it sounds like you're uh, starting to flip to this Pittsburgh. I am here, not uh, flipping to the Sean. Pittsburgh Steelers. They're going to force the turnover. Does that sound better for you? They're going to force the turnovers. There, there we go. And what, whatever you have to do to live in your uh, utopia there, but uh, <laughs> I just want to make sure that Uncle Mitch is aware that I'm on Uncle Mitch's side for once. We're, all, we're, always, we're always on the same side. We're on the same side hating Tom Brady. We know he's a cheater, a fraud. He left. Uh, he obviously left that uh, very nice Bridget Moynihan woman, and I've hated him ever since then. <laughs> but, but my point, my overall point here is that, Look, I, I wanted 
wouldn't it totally, it wouldn't shock me if the Steelers won a low scoring, ugly game. I have no the Jaguars defense, you're you're absolutely correct correct, Jim. It really is probably as good I would say as the the Broncos team that won the Super Bowl or the Seahawks team that won the Super Bowl. It literally dominates games. Right. My my thing here is the Jaguars do two things really well. They ran the ball as well as anyone in the NFL this year. And they're historically great at stopping the pass. I mean, you you can't throw the ball on Ramsey and Boye and blah, blah, blah. They're not that great at stopping the run. And I'm hoping with Brown banged up and with Le'Veon Bell in the, in the backfield, who's undoubtedly the best running back in the NFL. There's no one even close. I mean, the guy in L.A. and, and, and Dallas, what's his name? They're really not even close. Uh, right. I hope the Steelers just uh, run the ball. And I think the Steelers will win like a 20-10 game. I, I don't actually think it's going to be a blowout. That was a bit of an actor. Maybe 17-10, 14-10. I just think the Steelers will beat the Jaguars. That's all. All right. Very good, Mitch. We're going to let you go here. Uh, we'll talk to you uh, maybe in the coming weeks, I'm sure. Hey, sounds good. Thanks for taking my call, Jim. All right. No problem. Thanks again, Mitch. All right. So that's, uh, you know, it, it's – Again, we, we, we have we like to have fun uh with Mitch here on the show. Dave and I do. Uh he's our he's our resident uh Yinzer call, I believe is the, the proper way to describe that. Um but uh just be on record that it's recorded and I sided with Uncle Mitch. You so did you it's did gonna happen you, once a once a uh, decade, but it happened. It did happen today and um you know, he can he can take that because it will not happen uh in the in the um, NHL playoffs, I'm sure. <clears throat> All right, Pitchy let- better sleep well tonight because of that. So. <laughs> All right, let's look at the uh, let's look at the last game of the uh, of the weekend that is on Sunday f- at 4:40 on Fox. The Saints travel to Minnesota. Minnesota four and a half point home favorite. Over under on this one 46. Um, I, I n- not that I have a whole lot of confidence in in. Case Keenum as a starting quarterback in a in a playoff game, um, but I like Minnesota at home. I think they have the incentive of, um, you know, being being potentially a uh, a home Super Bowl team, um, especially by by the time their game rolls around, they're going to know if the road to the NFC Super Bowl goes literally goes through them or not. So. Um, you know, and if my prediction holds through, then it will. So all they have to do is keep winning, and they literally don't have to leave the confines of Minneapolis until the uh, the season is over. Sunny Minnesota. <laughs> uh, so, and and you know, talking about defenses, and we 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 ham- hammered that point home um, with, uh, with with the Steelers and the Jags is, you know, this this Vikings defense is uh, is tremendous as well. And you know their secondary is great, and 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 I think they can they can get at uh, Drew Brees and company, and and, and at least because you're, you're not totally going to stop that offense, but they can at least slow it down, uh, and I think they can slow it down enough to the point where I I, I think they pull out the win. I have Minnesota uh, picking up the win over the Saints. Jim, I'm on board with you, and I have uh, Minnesota as well. Um... Minnesota obviously beat the Saints earlier in the year, but the thing that's interesting to remember on this, uh, when Minnesota beat the Saints earlier, Sam Bradford was the quarterback, and I believe Dalvin Cook was still the running back. So um, kind of a different 
Minnesota team now versus then or then versus now, however you want to say it. Um, but I think the, the key play that I will have on this game is I will be on the over. Um, the, the playoff stat, uh, I think it's since 2000, 2007, 2008, uh, 70% of games played in the Dome have gone over. So um, blind, always back in the over. I uh, was on the over with Carolina, Atlanta last week. Um, definitely like the over in this game as well. Um, I think Minnesota's defense is going to be the difference in this game, but I also think the lack of run defense from New Orleans is going to be a difference as well. Uh, Carolina was fairly successful at running the ball for how bad of a running team they are, and I, I use that uh, uh, large, pretty loosely there. Um, Carolina's overall rushing stats are pretty good, um, but if you remove Cam Newton's stats from those rushing stats, Carolina's an awful running team, and they were able to move the ball pretty well with uh, with uh, Stewart McCafferty uh, from time to time. I mean, not a great rushing performance, right. but you also have to remember they're not a good running team. But uh, you get a fairly good running team in Minnesota, they should have some pretty good success at moving the ball against New Orleans. So uh, I think I have Minnesota by uh, seven to twelve, seven to ten on this one. All right, Sean, what's your thought on this one? Who that? Who that going to beat them? Who say they're going to beat them Saints? I'm I'm uh, with you uh, on the over. I, I, I like the over a lot. I think we're going to see some points. I am going to disagree. I am going to take Drew Brees and his Saints on the road. Uh, it is a dome game, so that that you know the crowd's going to be in it. But I, I think that there's no you know there's obviously no um, you know weather to, to to worry about. But yeah, that last game it was uh, Sam Bradford. It was a 29-19 win. The big thing that happened in that one against the Saints was that they had two receivers, uh, Thielen and Diggs, that combined for 16 catches um, for 250 yards in that game. Uh, and the big thing that, you know, we're talking about how they're different teams. The biggest difference, I think, for the Saints, well, one of their two big ones I'll talk about, is that their defense is very different. The defensive backs were very young. They've really settled in, and, and you know, they're going to have to uh, kind of buckle down against this. I think the the offense looks better under Keenum. Uh, it, it's been more accurate. It's been more controlled. Um, but I, I think the Saints are going to dig in there. You're not going to see quite that explosion, uh, which I just read with 16 catches on 18 targets, which is absurd. But um, the other big explosion, I think, out of the, the Saints is, is that was kind of before the big Kamara explosion. Uh, they were using him, uh, but it has been – since he started getting the rock and, and, you know, then you have Ingram on the other side. Um, I think the, the Vikings are a good pass defense as well. Um, but I think they can, you can run the ball on, on the Vikings, maybe not as easily as the saints, but I think you can do it. Uh, especially with two different running backs at the helm. I like, um, I like the saints, uh, outright and not just to cover, but to beat them, um, by like seven points. I like, I like a touchdown win here for Drew Brees. All right, there you have it. Those are the picks uh, for for the weekend. Uh, Dave, any uh, any other thoughts uh, before we shut down the show this week? Only thing I, I wanted to to touch on, uh, kind of random here, Jim, but you know I like the Vegas numbers. Of course. If Minnesota hosts New England in a in a, in a Super Bowl, who do you have favored, knowing that Minnesota gets home field advantage? Um. Feel like New this England. Is not a trick, this is not a quick trick question, by I, the way. I would say I feel like New England would probably still be favored there. Probably the line I saw. 
the line I saw from the, the Vegas odds makers, one of them tweeted out one and a half, one of them tweeted out two, both with Minnesota being favored. Um, so I think that's extremely interesting should we see that. Um, if we do happen to see that, I think you have a key. I mean, I, I, I think it's the same thing that we had happen in the Georgia-Alabama game that 60, 60% plus, keyword plus, of the fans are going to be Vikings fans. And how does that mess with Brady and Belichick in a Super Bowl? Um, so I think it'll just be, if we happen to see that, and it's probably a little bit away till we can talk about that, but if we happen to see that, uh, the, the wagering aspect of the Super Bowl will be absolutely fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because, you know, I, I, I brought up to you, um, yeah, like I brought up to you last week about the, did, did Vegas take into account that, the national championship game was in Georgia. Um, so if, if obviously if Minnesota gets there, um, that, that has to be taken into consideration because, you know, we saw what happened to ticket sales when Georgia won in the Rose bowl. I mean, the, the, the resale market exploded, uh, Georgia fans, you know, just emptying their, uh, emptying their bank accounts. I think what they said was about 70% Georgia crowd on Monday night. And, and I, I think if, you know, because we know how many neutral site fans, you know, end up at Super Bowls. But if Minnesota gets in there, there's a two-week period for Minnesota fans to uh, buy tickets on the on the, the secondary market. Uh, I would love to see how much those tickets are going to go for. But I think that crowd uh, will overwhelmingly be for the home team because it's it's right there. You don't have to travel. You, you have it right in your backyard. So, um, you know, that, that I think... As you get close, as you would get closer to the game time, I think it, that number would move more in Minnesota's favor, in my opinion, because of the the way the fan base is going to swing. Yeah, I would think I would think the home field be a, a, a huge situation, and and you know, like you said, with being in the backyard, uh, those tickets are going to Minnesota fans because if if you or I go to watch our team in Minnesota, we got to book airfare, we got to book hotels, we got to right. figure out what we're doing for the week. Schedule. I mean, these guys can live at home. Right, they could leave Half Sunday morning. Half of them could morning. probably just live in a tent. They probably have those up there. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, up in Minnesota, you know. Right. I mean, it's it's so... Man, it would cut into my ice fishing time, though. Exactly, you know. <laughs> don't you know. Yeah, it certainly would. So, um, Dave, why don't you go ahead and give your, uh, give your Twitter, and uh, we're going we're gonna to wrap a bow on this thing. Sure. Uh, great, great conversation, as always. Uh, Sean, you're welcome to come back and agitate the hell out of Jim with me weekly. Uh, it's always fun. Um, but uh, good, good conversation and uh, harassment as always. And uh, I'm on Twitter at dgerhart 24 and uh, we'll chat with everyone next week uh, after uh, the Steelers defeat the Jaguars, both to the, uh, the, the chagrin of uh, Jim and Sean. But uh, thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll uh, chat with you next week. All right, Dave. We'll see you, bud. Take care. All right, that one's gonna that's gonna wrap it up here. Uh, Sean, you survived the first one. Yeah, not too bad. You know, little heat from a uh, little heat from a caller, little little you know friendly banter with Dave. Um, I just hope that I'm right. I hope that you're not. <laughs> but uh, our Fighting Irish hockey team got the jersey in the background. They're number one team in the country. I think still undefeated in the Big Ten. Uh, that's exciting. Yeah, you know, there are there are more sports than football, and um, they're out there. I right hear there, there's more of them. There are there are yes. more there are more of them, but uh, yeah, it's gonna do it. You can follow the show on on Twitter at Huddle Up Podcast. You can follow me at Big Jim Sports. You don't have a Twitter, do you? I don't. Maybe I should get one. You probably should. 
Because I feel like this will, this can be more of a, a recurring thing. At least Probably. That's, that's the hope. I'll um, learn how to tweet. All right, well, well, we'll teach you. We'll get you up to speed. So again, follow the show at Huddle Up Podcast, Facebook.com slash Huddle Up Podcast. You can also go to NGSCSports.com. That is our home network. We also stream daily at LeapSports.com. Visit our sports baseball for all your fantasy baseball needs. UndisputedBelts.com. Do you want a championship belt when you win your league? I'm just going to put it over Sean's face. Uh, there we go. UndisputedBelts.com is the place to go. Tell them that we sent you. Let them know that uh, you heard about them from, from me. And then, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you next week. Dave and I will be back. Maybe Sean, we're not sure. But until then, have fun, stay safe, and go for the win. Our sports are virtual Major League Baseball. Our product provides an advanced and authentic experience in the hybrid category of fantasy and virtual sports. By owning and operating an our sports franchise, you compete for championships and money in leagues that mirror the MLB in every way. For sports fans who have dreamed of owning a sports franchise and handing out business cards that say team owner, our sports is making that dream a reality. Find them on Twitter at our sports baseball and on Facebook as our sports baseball.